Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns, he shoots. Yes! Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association. This is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Pick and Pod WFUV Sports' NBA basketball podcast. Alongside Will Grant and Chris Persiainen, I'm Tom Saiello. Today is June 28th. At the time we are recording this, we're two days out from from free agency happening on June 30th on this coming Thursday. Very exciting, but we do have to get to the NBA draft. And if you guys follow Chris on Twitter, uh, I'm pretty sure you're all aware of how active he was that night, probably screaming, kicking, and crying in every sense of the word when the Knicks traded away pick 11 and only used their second round pick. But nonetheless, the NBA draft happened, and we will start with the New York Knicks. I do want to get Will's thoughts first. The Knicks selected Trevor Keels in the second round, of course, trading away the 11th overall pick to a lot of, I guess, confusion, anger, frustration, whatever is the word you'd like to choose, Will. But the New York Knicks seem to be thinking ahead beyond the draft because by the time they got to pick 11, most of the people that they wanted were off the board. Yeah, so um, I was over there at the NBA draft uh, over in Brooklyn uh, on behalf of 77WABC, and we basically were just out there seeing what the vibe was. And if we're talking about the Knicks right now, there was a lot of confusion, I know, with a lot of people. They didn't really understand what was going on. They didn't understand what the pick was what was happening and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, what I got out of it was Trevor Keels, I mean, a Duke guy, blue blood, brotherhood, I'll take it. Um didn't didn't really know anything about the guy that got picked first. Um, but uh, from what it seems, New York fans are pretty satisfied with Keels, but also a little confused about the draft pick. Um, the vibe there that I was getting from people, I was interviewing people, and folks were just begging, begging, can we please get Jaden Ivey? Jaden Ivey, please, can we please get him? And uh, that didn't happen, but from what it looks like, like what you alluded to before, there's going to be a lot of, you know, off-season – acquisitions not on behalf of the draft so what we're going to see in the next Knicks next season is still something that we're gonna to have to wait for so at the moment not sure but I'm gonna kick it in to Chris the uh, the king of the Knicks what do you got <laughs> King Chris with <laughs> it's all spelled with a K too that's the best part um I think that in the moment it definitely makes sense to be frustrated by the Knicks trading out and not getting a pick back that was in the first round, right? Because like if they traded back, that's very different from trading out completely. Um, but it, this is just much different from what they did last year. So last year at 19, uh, all of their guys were gone, namely Chris Duarte, who went 13, uh, Trey Murphy, 17th Trey Mann, 18th they were on the board at 19th their guys were gone and they they kicked the can down the road and, and traded the pick for a protected pick from Charlotte uh that they they later flipped into Cam Reddish well this time was different they didn't just trade the pick for a pick 
They traded the pick for three first-round picks from Oklahoma City, basically squeezing them for three protected firsts for two reasons. One, the first were protected, so they wanted more than just two uh, or just one or whatever. And then also, they have so many that when when you have as many first-round picks as the Thunder have, they individually lose their value just because, like, I don't know, look at brands like Supreme, right? Like, part of the reason that the price gets so high is because everyone knows the supply is limited, right? But the Thunder have a million picks to trade, and, and teams know that. So the Knicks, between that and between uh, just the Thunder being the team that wanted to move up, the Cavaliers were another team that were interested in Usman Jiang at the 11th pick. So the Thunder wanted to outbid them, wanted to get the, the Knicks an offer that they would take, and luckily enough for the Knicks, you know, they not luckily but they had just figured out that with aj griffin on the board they weren't going to take him because of his medicals johnny davis was another one of their guys he went number 10 to washington bradley beal really wanted him there Uh, someone else i heard that some members of the front office liked was benedict matherin i think the pacers reached on him at six uh, which took him off the the board completely and then Dyson Daniels was someone else that they were rumored to have interest in. I don't think they would have taken Daniels at 11 if he were there, but it didn't matter because he went eight to New Orleans. So with, again, another year with none of their guys on the clock, they decided instead of investing into a player, they didn't deem as worth it as like a consolation prize. You know, you, you go to the mall as a kid all week waiting to get a certain toy and it's like out of stock and you're like, oh, I'll just get this Lego anyway. They're like, no, we're not going to spend time building a Lego that we didn't even really want. We wanted the lightsaber. They didn't have it. Let's just move on. Uh, and they traded in what they were going to spend on the lightsaber, not just for store credit worth the lightsaber, but three times the store credit, if you want to see it that way, to continue this insane analogy, right? Like they got three first round picks back for one. They then took one of them and two second-round picks and got the 13th pick. They took the 13th pick, Kemba Walker, and two more second-round picks and got another protected first. So they walk out with three protected firsts uh, instead of a prospect at 11 that they, they what they knew wasn't going to get minutes with under Tibbs, right? And then after that, it seems like their plan is Jalen Brunson. Now, from everything that's been reported recently um Brunson was like sure to be going back to the Mavericks and then changed course all of a sudden over the last couple days now people are saying Knicks uh I can definitely say after having spoken to two different people that have heard from the Knicks or heard from a team that's spoken with the Knicks that it's a thing right now that like people think the Knicks think they're getting Brunson or rather teams know the Knicks think they're getting Brunson. This is something that the the Knicks are kind of telling people. Uh, and the other thing is that they are reportedly not trying to be – well, not reportedly. They are, uh, you know, allegedly is from, from what I'm hearing. I'll say allegedly not going to be done with moves after a Brunson acquisition. So they've set this up in a way for themselves with Brunson where uh, Dallas thought the, the Knicks were going to need them to clear the cap space for them to be able to sign Brunson. This gave Dallas a little bit of leverage, even though Brunson is an unrestricted free agent, right? Knicks having Walker, Burks, Noel on the, the payroll. Uh, well, that, well, they went and cleared Kemba off the payroll and, and put themselves in a situation, even though it cost them some picks that Dallas was never expecting them to be in. 
And and now what New York can do is they can send Nerlens Noel into the Clippers traded player exception. They can send Alec Burks into the Celtics traded player exception. Noel maybe get nothing back. Burks maybe two seconds, call it, right? And 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 they can have the cap space to sign Brunson as an unrestricted free agent and not need Dallas at all. So now they have Dallas in a situation where they might be calling up the Knicks being like, hey, we'll unprotect that first round pick that you have of ours in 2023 if you give us Alec Burks instead of giving him away to someone else. I think the Knicks just turned this inside out on the Mavericks by trading Walker elsewhere. And even though it cost them four second round picks to acquire that pick and move him and then recuperate that first they used, uh, they're, they're, they're in a pretty advantageous situation in regards to the Jalen Brunson, Brunson sweepstakes right now. And, and another reason for that is because something else I'm hearing is from a different place than the first two. Is this, I was told that Brunson reportedly has warmed up and now wants to be the Knicks lead guard. He wants to take the challenge of, of being the ball handler in New York City where he has connections out the wazoo, as we know. Uh, I, I just think this is all lining up to be a little too much smoke for there not to be fire. So I think, Chris, you bring up an interesting point with, uh, with the Knicks' moves because they're so fixated on Brunson. A lot of, I guess, NBA Twitter folk that are in tune with what might happen with the Knicks, they're kind of going back and forth on how good he actually is, and they have made the case of that he's had a good playoffs and that's really it. I mean, sure, he's taken leaps as a player, but... Is that the sort of guy do you, that you want to give that kind of money? But it is fascinating. I think we go back to the trade that they made using that 13th pick and Kemba Walker because it seemed like Kemba Walker is just a, a, a dead commodity at this point. He sat out the rest of the season. I forget when he started to sit completely. And then he sat the rest of the year. He was just getting paid his money to not do anything. And it seemed like that wouldn't be something the Knicks could move unless they attached stuff with it, which they end, ended up doing and sending it all to Detroit, who's going to buy out Kemba. But if we're going to talk about the Pistons, we have to acknowledge the draft that they had at number five, uh, shielding away calls from Leon Rose, among other teams, to trade up to the fifth pick to select Jaden Ivey, who is seen as the perfect fit next to Cade Cunningham. And they also get Jalen Duran from the Charlotte Hornets and the Knicks, and there was all sorts of other nonsense. But this... Pistons draft and where they have been the last, I don't know, 1,000 years, if I'm just going to be sarcastic here, they've put themselves in a position to be in a position. And in two years, I think we're going to see them potentially fighting for a top four spot in the Eastern Conference. It could happen a lot quicker, I think, depending on the development of the players. I think that they've got good stuff. It's just a matter of what are they going to put around Cunningham and Ivy and perhaps Duran to really get this, this Pistons thing moving. And I think they had the best draft uh, the other night. Uh, I can say all I want about the Magic and the Rockets and this one and that one. I, I think the Pistons really did well because they were able to shield off of trades that were going to maybe happen, th- teams like the Knicks offering up everything. But they, I think, well, they walked away with the best haul uh, last week during the draft. Yeah, I mean – it's uh, it's definitely an interesting pick. It's it's, it's going to be an interesting dynamic between Ivy and uh, Cade Cunningham. You got two guys that are you know just just these these unbelievable freak athletes, and you're just putting them both together, and they're so young. 
but there's nothing really much that, that can lead them there. I mean, you got Marvin Bagley the third, a former second round pick. A lot of people believed was a huge bust. Um, and you got Sadiq Bay, Jeremy Grant. You got a bunch of these guys, Killian Hayes too, that are just. Uh, Jeremy Grant went to Portland, by the way. He got traded. Oh, he did. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the. Uh, I'm a little late on that. My bad, guys. I'll have to cover over here. <laughs> but uh, sorry about that. And uh, but th- there's there's something that ticks me off when you kind of say that they could potentially be in the top five in the East in the coming years. That's a little ridiculous, Thomas. Don't you think? You you find that insane to think about? I find that- under it. Are you that, underestimating the power of, of Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran and all the people you just mentioned? Thomas, they Thomas, have a Thomas, good, Thomas, They have a good Thomas, foundation, Thomas. man. There's, there's a good foundation. <laughs> there's nothing much really to you, – you got the beams, you got the idea, you got the blueprint, but you don't have the glue, the nails, all that stuff. They can really mesh everything together and a veteran leader that can show these two young superstars – what it means to be successful in the NBA. You don't have any guys on the team that have really experienced that. Okay, so name me, name me one or two people that the Pistons should trade for right now in terms of that veteran leadership that they can get at like a, a decent-ish price where Listen, it's not going to cost them the farm. Thomas, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a GM here. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm not too good with the salary and all that stuff. And moving no, just name around. anyone. Don't even forget about Name salary. anybody that they can get? Yeah, name, name one or two people. Oh, man. I mean, you really put me on the spot here. <laughs> you I, brought it up. It's a great question. It's I mean, a it is. Question it's a good question. Cade Cunningham led them after a terrible start to the season, the last three quarters of the season last year. Will, I'm buying you some time to think here. Cade had them playing at the, the rate of a play-in slash playoff team, right? So you add Jaden Ivey, who I project as an off-ball slash combo guard at the NBA level, not a true primary point guard. That doesn't matter when you have Cade Cunningham setting the table for him. That doesn't matter when you, you, you have Sadiq Bey making threes and being a big wing defender. Uh, and Jalen Duran, I, I do think, to, to Will's point, is a bit more of a project than people think. I, I'm also pretty confident that by year two, he can be a good starting center, like actually good. So, so next year, maybe by the second half of the season after the All-Star break, he starts playing at a, at a decent level. And that would be enough for the Pistons to really ramp up and make a playoff push. I don't think it's it's crazy to to see them as like the ninth seed next year, and maybe they lose the play-in game to a team with more veteran leadership, and and with sure. you know maybe the Bulls take a step back record-wise, but they acquire Rudy Gobert in a trade for for Vucevic, uh, Kobe White, and picks, and the Jazz move Conley for a center or or, or a, a wing defender, right? I just think that, uh, th- you know, maybe they could beat beat this younger team, but uh, a core of Cade and Ivy, even as a rookie, but as an off-ball guard with other stuff around them, I think that intrigues me more than LaMelo and Miles Bridges, right? So, like, Who may not stay in Charlotte, by I the way. I think he's going to stay in Charlotte. Oh, really? Every, okay. Everything I've been hearing over the last couple of weeks is pointing towards him staying in Charlotte, and Charlotte's GM came out this morning and straight up said, we're keeping Miles. So, yeah, I, I think that confirms that. Yeah, I mean, Miles Bridges, great, great – uh great rapper and everything but uh great rapper i'm not sure I, I think i agree with you guys where it's going to be very hard to build something around him and Lamelo. and you know i'm like i'm i'm warming up to your guys point right now i'm thinking yeah slow progression you did say in the next five years or so i was kind of taking that as an immediate thing 
That if it was immediately, no, that's Jaden Ivey right. would have you're to right. be like Jesus. No, no, no. You're you're totally right with that. That yeah. that three to five years. I think that they could definitely build something and get these two really cooking up. But it, it's interesting because when you ask that question, you know who, what veteran, you know, guy can come in and help them. You could either take a guy like Vucevic, who's a great, you know, center, not a great center, but a, a solid center who really helped out that Chicago's Bull team, Chicago Bulls team last year and got them to, to somewhere that they didn't think they'd really get to. They kind of fell off at the end of the season, had a great start on fire. DeMar DeRozan was killing it. And I think that he's, he could be a good guy in the locker room to show around these guys what it means to be a, uh, you know, in the league for a little bit. But also, if I'm, if I'm taking a step back and I'm thinking New York right now, I'm maybe thinking Derek Rose as a guy to have an, as a, you know, a backup sort of for Cade Cunningham and Jay Nivey to show them, you know, I have, I had what it takes. I Bear know what traded, this league's about. Bear who traded him to the Knicks for the 40th pick. He's going to go back. Junior. No, I know, I know. They but I'm saying he's – never, ever – oh, but as an example of – There's the a lot more – yeah, there's a lot more value in D. Rose's off-the-court presence in the locker room than, you know, on the floor. I mean, he was a great, you know, six-man kind of guy. Uh, he helped them out. He got spurts going. He was putting up 20 – he was averaging 20 for a few games uh, over the course of the season and last season as well. Um, but – a guy like that can really just show you because they look up to that guy. 2011, I mean, what was the MVP? And they're, they're looking up to him, oh, this is, this is the great, greatest player ever. But now he's taking a back seat. He's more of a role as a, uh, you know, locker room guy. So someone like that can really help them and guide them and just tell them, you know, take a deep breath. You're a rookie. There's a lot riding on you right now. I was a number one pick, Cade to, to him, you know. So it's very interesting, that question. I like that a lot. Now I'm going to flip this back to you, Thomas. What do you think? I, I do agree with you, what you guys are saying, but if we're going to pick the old person to go to the Detroit team, if there was a second clone of Al Horford, that would be amazing for the Pistons. Because think about why it. Not, why not Al Horford himself? I, right? I don't think Boston he wants to leave Boston after hey, what they just did. I don't hey, think they're going to want to do that. He doesn't have a no-trade clause. Boston could stand to get younger. You I mean, know, I, but that would but that would be suicidal on their part because they, they should have done they should have kept Grant and done Grant for Horford. But the problem is they wanted the cap space to get to make all these first round picks. Yeah, rats. But going back to that, if there was a second clone of Al Horford, that would be amazing for the Pistons. That gives them another big presence. That it's like when DeAndre Jordan shows up shows up to the Knicks, and Mitchell Robinson comes off the bench. It was sort of like that in a way. And he really picked up a lot of steam. Mitch Robinson did in the uh, second half of the year when he showed up. And his development was accelerated by that. And by the same token, if Detroit was to find someone like that, maybe for Duran or if they were to go out and get a, a Derrick Rose, uh, perhaps, I don't know. I got I to gotta really think here for this one. Maybe like a Rondo, perhaps for Cunningham. Like That would be amazing for them. If D-Wade was still playing, he could have been – that person the point i'm trying Rondo to get has at that is, type of attitude though like well i'm really saying because be a, i'm going based off of the type of players they have because Jaden ivy to me is the next d wade and that would be perhaps the best way he can learn and that will only accelerate the development and perhaps it could be more efficient you got to figure out find, the right guy because yeah. one point sorry because when we saw ryan Tannehill answer about the uh that, that young quarterback oh, from liberty from malik willis i mean he goes you know i'm not here to yeah, you, they, like, take you can't my job. Have, that can't happen. Exactly. But there's that other guys that, that you're, you're alluding to before that can definitely be that, that uh, role model. Yeah, absolutely. So they have to find whoever that 
senior citizen in the NBA is. There's not too many of them out there that are still good. If, if they got Udonis Haslam, I don't think Miami would ever let that happen. But if that was the case, like, that would be, again, amazing. Uh, but I don't know who that's going to be. There's a lot of people that I'm sure are escaping my thought. Haslam is here. not touching the court next season for and who? trying to win basketball games. Right, Adonis but I'm Haslam. just saying because it'll help them get better and it probably speeds up this rebuild. Well, who, needs better on, vets, who needs better vets is Charlotte, man. And, well, they and, no, no, no. They don't need anything. They just picked up Mark Williams. He's America's center. They're going to be fine. Charlotte needs better vets, hands down. And and by that's no pun intended with just uh, keep your eyes peeled for any coming reports on James Booknight and, and his involvement in Summer League this year. I think Charlotte needs, Charlotte needs better vets desperately does he if we get if he gets traded that would be fascinating that would be a waste of the 11th pick or whatever he was picked at last year Paolo Bancaro Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith were the top three picks a lot of people were fighting over Jabari and Bancaro to be the number one picks there were some arguments for Chet Holmgren but I didn't think that that was ever going to happen due to the fact that in terms of his physical build it's a concern for teams and that's obviously been the biggest knack on him even though he is an incredibly talented basketball player but draft night the Orlando Magic landed the star player that they needed I thought it was going to be Jabari but they took Bancaro instead and Houston was able to assemble the SEC all-star team between Jabari Smith, Ty Ty Washington and uh, Tari Eason they've got three all SEC players. Fantastic haul. And a, Tari and a great, is yeah, a another great pick. draft night. Twenty nine is a fantastic pick. That yeah, that was value was great on both of those. Also, the coolest name in the draft by far. Who? Tai Tai. You don't Ty-Ty? like you don't think Ty-Ty Marjan <laughs> Bochop is the coolest name in the draft? Benedict Matherin is sneaky, dude. Sneaky, uh, sneaky cool. but Marjan Bochop is crazy. Cool. Marjan Bochop. Hey, hey, I love that pick for Milwaukee real quick. I love that pick for Milwaukee. Bochop. I don't blame you, honestly. I mean, it's, Milwaukee could use bench players. It's always a good thing for them, given that their, oh, excuse me, their bench has faded out the past couple of years. But I do think replenishing, that's always a good thing. Let's go back to these top three. Chris, I'll start with you on this one. How shocked were you that Bancaro wins the battle of who's going to get picked first? Between him and Jabari Smith, not at all. I've been saying really it okay for weeks that Boncaro should have gone one. I put out a mock draft on Twitter. Uh, my first one had Boncaro going number one, even though he was like plus eight hundred to do it. Right? I just I thought that that's who the Magic should take, and I thought that the Jabari Smith rumors were them putting up a smokescreen uh, that I thought was really good. But I always thought Paolo was going to be the guy at one. Oh, look, you guys can't see the Zoom, but he's showing us his mock draft. Got he's so proud of it. I got Good the job, receipts. Chris. And look, I had the Thunder targeting Usman Jiang at number 12, who they traded three first-round picks to get to 11 to take. Yep. So I'll take Will? that. Oh, oh, wait. What's oh, this? Oh, we got my, more. We got more. My whole top four was right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Chris, Chris self-indulging in his successes, his little victories in life. 
Uh, we applaud it at FUV. That's why we love Chris. But Will, your thoughts on the top Bye. three in this past draft? I'll give my top three. I just want a quick question for Chris. No longer than 20-second answer. How devastating was it that we were one pick away from Johnny Davis? And how do you feel that he would have fit into the next rotation coming up in the season? So just a quick, quick little. My feel. take on Johnny Davis, I'll be quick. Indeed, was that on my big board, I was comfortable taking him anywhere outside the top five of the draft. I had him number six. I was really high on Davis. I think he's both a sure thing and a high upside pick. He's a really good athlete. He had an ankle injury halfway through the season that resulted in his efficiency tanking and his athleticism not popping off the screen as much. Um, if you want an NBA comparison to someone really good that he'll never be as good as, but as a, as a way of kind of showing you how I think he'll fit in the NBA, it's Brandon Roy. And, and I think him on the Knicks across RJ Barrett at the one slash two, him guarding the point of attack, Quickly, the real lead guard, Barrett on the wing, Toppin, Robinson. Oh, it would have been gorgeous. Tibbs would have loved him too. I was so upset that Beal wanted him as badly as he did, but I get it because Beal's kind of lazy on defense and Johnny will make sure that he can continue to be that way. So, yeah. Uh, my top three, um, there was a lot of weird stuff going on before the draft. Um, it's, it's crazy. Like you said, the odds with Paulo Boncaro going first. Very impressive, Chris, by the way, that you had him first and you had the first four picks right. Um, but I, I was in Shake Shack after we filmed. We uh, oh. we ran right we right into ran 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 right into Shake Shack at a shake a burger and watched the first pick on the TV. There were so many people in there, probably twenty people watching the TV in Shake Shack. Every single person lost money in there. It seemed like just oh, like no. But uh, the top three pick, top three picks. Yeah, I mean it was just shocking that Jabari didn't go first. Chet I saw as a lock for number two, but. Those two were pretty much interchangeable, but yeah, that's that's really all I have. I, I think that Paolo Boncaro, looking back in retrospect, might have been a, a great pick for Orlando. I don't know if any of the teams in the top three could have gone wrong. I mean, maybe the Thunder had they not picked Chet. They don't really have any centers. They didn't really have any... I think I think one of the teams in the top three could have gone wrong, and it was Orlando if they took Jabari Smith. Now, well, I disagree completely. I, I use this analogy and to explain it, and I'll be fast here. Um, when you're talking about guys as stars, there are two roles they can fit into. There's play initiators and play finishers, right? There's LeBron and there's AD, right? The, the, the guy who gets things going, who stirs the drink, sets the table. The guy who, you know, is, is the... the the beautiful utensils cutting the steak and, and getting the job done. I mean, there's, there's two different roles to fit into. Right. And if you look at the Orlando magic's young core, um, well, man, I, I, who do they have that is stirring the drink for them? Who do they have that uh, is setting the table, right? Jalen Suggs had an awful rookie season. Markel Fultz. I love Markel Fultz. I actually think, is the pressure that he puts on the rim is underrated, and he's a really good player. Um, I would rather send two protected firsts for Markel Fultz than I would four unprotected firsts for DeJounte Murray, like San Antonio wants, as an example of how good I think Fultz is. But the thing with the Magic is Cole Anthony, bench player. Suggs, not an initiator. Isaac, not an initiator. Carter, play finisher. You know, these guys are all play finishers. None of them are play initiators, and what they don't have is a go-to scorer, someone who they can dump the ball to down low and who can get it done. Someone who at the top of the key can make a good pass inside, you know, f f just find a big, find someone open in the corner. Paulo is, is, is going to be like a masterful offensive weapon by like his third year in the league. And, and I think that going for Jabari Smith would leave you 
with a bunch of really nice bullets and no gun to actually fire them. Like Paulo gives you, even if not the nicest, you know, out there, it's a, a slingshot, something, something to work with, right? I, I think that drafting Jabari to that specific core wouldn't, wouldn't have been fantastic. However, him going to the Rockets already with a bunch of scores, bona fide uh, playmakers now, Washington, Jalen Green, like, yeah, I, I like that for him because they need help on the defensive end. They need a switchable defensive wing, uh, someone who can play free safety for them, right? And, and Jabari's going to excel in that role. But I think his fit in Orlando would have been bad. And that's why, even though it was always reported that it would be him going number one, I, I just didn't buy it. It didn't make sense on the basketball court. I guess one more thing before we get to some final news and notes around the NBA. A lot of these teams and a lot of people who were evaluating this draft at the beginning of the year, there was really a couple of guys that you knew were going to be, okay, these are franchise changers, game savers, whatever. I think by the time the college season had ended and the tournament had begun, the pool really expanded in a way that this became one of the deeper drafts in the past couple of years. I always point to the 2017 draft. There were a lot of guys that just exploded on the scene just out of nowhere, and they've become pretty good NBA players. And by the way, just for the uh, sake of the rest of the podcast, Will had to go early at his internship, so we let him go. But Chris, some final news and notes. We'll first start with um, the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving. Him and his kooky ways has decided to accept his player option of $36 million to stay with the Brooklyn Nets for this upcoming season, as well as Russell Westbrook with the Lakers, accepting his $47 million player option with the Lakers. So two of the players that we were thinking, I don't say we, but people were formulating would be involved in some kind of sign and trade between the two franchises because one can't stand the other, uh, have elected to stay at their franchises that they were at last season. So now this opens up probably more trade options throughout the NBA for these two teams, especially the Nets who are kind of looking to move off of Kyrie because of how he behaves off the floor. And I hate to use this terminology with a professional athlete, but he behaves like such a child. He, be, he was a problem for them this year with all of the stuff he was doing and the walking stick, vaccinations, you name it. He was, he was probably saying something about it. But in the moment right now, Chris, for both of these teams between Westbrook and Irving, how do you see these as um, immediate uh, impact moves? Man, Russell Westbrook is like not that good. So um, it's <laughs> pretty bad. that cap hit is bad. Uh, Kyrie Irving opting in. The Nets are, are just a total mess. Uh, that's that's fun too. I really just don't care. We'll see, we'll see how this unfolds. And I, I'm not moved by any of this stuff. I'm not scared of any of these teams. The Clippers, though, uh, that's interesting. Up, they just picked up John Wall, who got uh, bought out. That's interesting to me. And the reason why that's interesting to me is because he's been on a nice little vacation. And uh, <laughs> if he comes back healed up the way Al Horford just did in the finals, right? He got nine months of paid vacation in Tanklahoma City. Tanklahoma. Now he's in Boston balling out in a way that he probably never will again in his career because he'll never get a year of paid vacation before a playoff run. Will we see that juice from John Wall? That's my question. Should they have gone after Brogdon? Should they have gone after someone else? Yeah. 
Probably, but if they don't want to bet on Brogdon's injury proneness, then why John Wall? You know, like it's just well, they also the gave John Wall way less money. That's the part I don't get. They can they could have gotten Brogdon by only giving up bench guys. They have the salaries to make it work. So but then see, here's the other thing with the Clippers, Chris, because I know what you're saying, but at the same time, the Clippers are kind of notorious in the last couple of years, even more so than that, to just have thin benches and they with Kawhi and PG ever since they've shown up, it's just been pulling crap off of the street. It's worked to a degree, but if you're the Clippers, it's probably better you just add John Wall for no money than having to give up stuff for Brogdon. I mean, think about it this way too. If they had to give up a Batum or they had to give up Reggie Jackson, whoever, Marcus nope, Morton. none of those guys, dude. You really think they Luke don't have Kennard, to give up any of that for Brogdon? Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard or, or, or Robert Covington or someone like that and throw in draft picks and the deal's done. I mean, Washington was trying to get Brogdon and New York was thinking about it as a option C, IVA, Brunson B, Brogdon C, Irving D, right? And they just, Indiana was like, we want your first round pick. And both of the teams were like, ha, and that was it. Right, so that that was like the that was the pretty much where the trade discussions were. Um, That's an amazing, amazing uh, recreation of that, Chris. Good I job. don't, I don't think that. Thank you. I don't think that the market's too big for him, and, and I don't think it ever will be. Same thing with Miles Turner. He always has this mythical trade value. The Pacers will be shopping Miles Turner, but never trading him until he's ninety years old. Right? Like I just, <laughs> I'm not moved by this stuff. So I think they could have gotten gotten him. Miles Turner has been in the rumor mill. Everyone has been in the rumor mill. I guess one more note before we head off of the pick and pod very quickly. Will Hardy uh, is going to be the next head coach of the Utah Jazz. He's going to be signing a five-year deal with them after they dismissed Quinn Snyder. Is this going to keep Gobert and Mitchell intact? Really quickly, Chris, give me a couple words. No. No. Okay. We're going with a solid no. I will go with a solid no. That is going to do it for this edition of Pick and Pod. I hope you guys all enjoyed. Once again, for my partners, Will Grant and Chris Persiainen, and I'm Thomas Ayo saying so long. Pick and Pod is a production of WFUV Sports.